welcome back to Campfire Football. For all of you uh, listeners, campers, whatever you want to call yourself, football fanatics. Yes, it's been a minute. I uh, had a computer failure. My MacBook completely died on me. Uh, yeah, th- there's there's a fair bit of negligence on my part in there. I think I let it drop to the floor. Maybe a few days before, it just like slipped off my, my lap when I was watching a game. Crashed on the ground. Just not a solid state hard drive. So it started acting crazy. And instead of just going and backing everything up immediately, you know, I played the risk and ended up losing an enormous amount of data. I'm not crying over it, you know, but... I'm back up and running now. It's really, really exciting to get this this campfire relit. So thanks so much for everyone who has maybe checked in over time to see, like, where did this all go? This guy was releasing an episode a day for a month, and all of a sudden, nothing for two weeks. Well, I have to say, it was a weird time to go down as well because so much happens in football, especially right now. I think if you look around, when you go to whatever website you you check your scores at, whether it's ESPN or BBC or anything, you may be seeing the lists of all the matches happening worldwide in all the leagues. And almost every day there's top-level leagues or top-level cups or something have a game. It's rare that you just get like a few random leagues from around the world that no one knows anything about except for the local people. You know, it's rare that you see those days. So I you know, we all find ourselves watching an absurd amount of football. And it's kind of a nice time to have it. I mean, obviously the television companies know this. They're like a lot of people are at home. We can broadcast two games a day on a weekday and we're going to get a huge viewership. And they're dead right because well, that's the key. There's not that much else to do. I'm a coach, so I do get to do coaching in the evenings, but from, you know, that sweet spot of in the morning all the way until 3-4 p.m. at least Colorado Mountain Standard Time. I mean, I'm free to watch. And so I'm one of probably many, many people. And it's just been an interesting time. Look, a lot happened. Probably the biggest news, at least especially for me, but I think the biggest news overall that most people spoke about was Frank Lampard sacking from Chelsea. I am going to wait on getting into that. Obviously, as a Chelsea fan, I do have a lot to say and think about it. But as I'm recording this in 45 minutes, Chelsea play against Spurs. And to be honest, I've said for a while, that game is going to be my judgment moment for Tuchel. And that's when I'm going to really try to be able to make my own analysis of where this is going, how I think they'll do, and what comes for Chelsea and what's been going on. So I'll reserve that for a little episode I'll do later. Have to wait for that game to be played. But the reality is so much stuff happened. I mean, football is drunk. That's what Mourinho said. Football's drunk. All you have to do is look at, you know, the, the leagues, the league tables all around Europe. And then when you look at maybe the games, you see, oh, well, some of the top teams, some of the, the big, big clubs, they've lost some games. Well, yeah, go look at the results. Go look at some of the performances. These are weird, damning things that have happened, right? Liverpool losing 7-2 to Aston Villa. Real Madrid and Barcelona have lost strange games where they were not even really the better team. And were beaten. Um, it, it, I mean, Levante just beat Real Madrid last week, and I, I mean, they were the better side. So you, you really do, you really do see how all of the leagues are going through weird stuff, right? West Ham are in fifth in the English Premier League. Everton are in sixth. Chelsea and Arsenal and and Spurs are all below them. I, I mean, that, that's what's going to happen there. How's it going to shake out? How's it going to pan out? And the funny thing about all these leagues is that as we wait 
And, you know, we're expecting the status quo to sort of happen. We're expecting the big teams to eventually get themselves in a position where, you know, exactly what you expect the tables to look like and the spread of points. But it's not going to happen. Every single major team is underperforming. They're, the point hauls are way lower than they were in the last few years. And it makes it a total battle, right? So battles for European spots in every single league are completely up in the air. Germany is an amazing example. I will give credit to Bayern Munich for going ahead and keeping the world turning and gravity going down as it should because they're clearly going to win the Bundesliga. But then you go second to seventh, and it's just six points. And it's constantly new and different clubs. I mean, Wolfsburg just decided to show up and join the party. And, and you know, look, we've talked about the Premier League. Nine different clubs have been in the top have been top of the table. Half of the table has been in the Champions League spots. What is going to happen, right? In France, Lille are still in first place. Lyon are right behind them in second. And PSG keep finding ways to keep it interesting. Now, look, as a Lille fan. I'm not getting ahead of myself. Lyon are still a really strong team. Monaco aren't too far back in the mix as well. And Rennes are a good club that can always shake things up. And PSG are PSG, led by Mauricio Pochettino, who in time is going to get this club clicking. So do I think PSG are going to win the league? Yes. But again, it's so unpredictable. The, the moments that these big clubs drop points, it's almost like they tease the rest of the teams like, oh, you're still in it. But they are still in it because they haven't been super convincing Right? League leaders have all had a lot of struggles this season, or at least for the vast majority of them. You know, Spain, you look at Spain, the table looks, well, you know, you'd expect, okay, Atletico are front, wow, 10 points clear with the game in hand, maybe that's weird. Barcelona second, Real Madrid third, right? You know, and then you got Villarreal, Sevilla in the chasing pack. But the teams that look the strongest in terms of having a project and moving forward and have continuity, they're the teams, they're Atletico and then the other teams. Real Madrid and Barcelona are still all over the place and don't look convincing at all. Not enough to win a title, but you sort of wonder what happens in any of these leagues if any team goes and wins five or six or seven on the trot. If you look at Italian Serie A, I mean, 10 points separate first from seventh. That may sound like a lot, but your top teams are the Milan clubs who, you know, despite Milan going on a great unbeaten run at the beginning of the season, they're starting to show a little inconsistency. And the fact that their project is a nice story, but maybe not solid enough to win. Inter Milan's looks solid enough to win, but they keep dropping points in random areas as well. Juve, the Pirlo era has some really nice moments. It looks like it's going in a good direction, but then there's these reliances on moments and games. Cristiano Ronaldo finding a way to get a double. I mean, you know, and, and then you wonder about teams like Atalanta. Rome are doing Roma are doing an amazing job of being in the mix at all, considering the season they've had to go through. That's a whole episode on all itself, the Roma situation. Lazio are still dangling around. We all know what these clubs are capable of. And so if any one of them can go on a run of six or seven games, which by the way, I kind of don't think anyone's gonna do, but if anyone can, there's a really high likelihood they'll win their league. So football's been drunk. This whole season, I think it's kind of fun to watch it because who knows what happens in the aftermath. Is football going to be hung over for a year, just kind of like flat? Or maybe is it going through that right now? I don't know. Leads you to think, look, the EPL the EPL race, Liverpool, I, I think they've completely dropped off. Two weeks ago when I was about to give everyone my predictions, I was going to do an episode on that. Immediately 
<laughs> before my computer died. That was the idea. And then, uh, yeah, no, I mean, in that time, City have clearly shown they're probably the title of favorites by a long way. Liverpool, it's incredible to see how fast that deterioration for winning a title has looked and that they really are now look like they're in a fight for the top four. It's incredible. United are also still involved. They kind of feel to me like that team that's crashing the party, kind of like the dude that rolls in at like 9 p.m., already a little bit buzzed, gets really good and liquored up, and by 11.30 or midnight he's leaving when party's still going until 2 or 3 in the morning. Feels like Man United are kind of doing that, but I don't want to write them off because, well, they just beat Southampton 9-0. They also lost to Sheffield. So it, it, it's, it, it is a who-knows kind of situation, and it goes all over the board. When you see how well West Ham are playing, that Everton have been able to revive themselves, you start to wonder, well, who's going to end up in top six? I mean, are Arsenal going to make a comeback? Are Chelsea going to start putting things together with the new coach? Is Mourinho going to get his Tottenham side going despite not having Harry Kane? All these questions are more difficult, I think, to answer this year than any other year. And so, look, if you're if, if you're a betting person, be careful with your money on this one. Um yeah, no, I, it, it's it's been a really interesting time this this whole this whole thing, and I think last night uh, was totally well encapsulated by one game: Granada versus Barcelona, Copa del Rey. Not doing two legs; they're just doing one single one because of the the pandemic, trying to keep fixtures from being too congested. But this game was insane; it was outrageous. There was so much that happened, and. I mean, there was a red card. I'm pretty sure it was a one of the coaches from Granada that got red carded. But none of the players. But incredible. A game where Barcelona win 5-3. Leo Messi doesn't score. You know, crazy. And uh, But I will say, he took over the game in a way. It's, it kind of, to me, it looked like one of those, one of those uh, Super Bowls where Tom Brady just goes ahead and takes over, completely dictates everything from a central position, leads the entire team, is completely in control of every attack built from from the midfield all the way until scoring the goal. Uh, you know, sort of like a Michael Jordan type, just a point guard, someone that completely bases everything. They start the attack and they basically finish it. Now, he didn't score, but the assists and the balls to create the goals – were incredible. The guy hit the post. I mean, he he completely took over. And what was impressive was you saw how much better everyone around him got. I mean, it looked like the guys did not want to fail him. Frankie de Jong and Antoine Griezmann a few times played these 30, 40-yard balls driven across the midfield square. Very dangerous passes to play just to get the ball to him. And they were doing them well. They were connecting them because you could see how much it meant. I mean, Leo Messi went through the range of emotions where he was like frustrated, annoyed, and then, you know, pissed and motivated. And then eventually, in the last few minutes of the game, they find a way to equalize from 2 0 down. They get to 2 2, two incredible goals that he set up. And Antoine Griezmann really rose to the occasion. Jordi Alba was spectacular and really it's those three that kind of just took over and won the game for Barcelona in the end the final goal was unbelievable two outside of the foot touches one a beautiful outside of the foot chip ball over the defenders to the back post from Griezmann to Jordi Alba who then one touch smashed it with the outside of his left foot into the roof of the net unbelievable goal 
And I would say treat yourself. Watch the longest extended highlights video of this game you can. Or watch the whole thing start to finish if, if, if you like sitting through games that you know the score. I'm not the hugest fan of that. But uh, it, it was unbelievable and a lot of fun. And, and it really does encapsulate how crazy football is right now. Even the biggest teams find ways to struggle in games where they may be playing well. And it, it's happening with such consistency that it's been just a wild time. So, you know, on top of that, yeah, the one other, the dark thing to talk about, really. This is the one thing I wanted to close with, sort of. But uh, this racial abuse online thing is, uh, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. It, the good part about it is that now it's being spoken about. Because we can't act like players were not being racially abused on social media prior to, you know, two years ago when we all of a sudden started talking about it. And the racism camp and the anti-racism campaigns and anti-discrimination campaigns started being really put forward in a public way beyond just banners and, and an armband, right? Players kneeling before every game is a statement. And the good thing about the statement is that then it sheds light on when there's abuse, more people take notice. So this is good. That is good that we're starting to take notice and ask, how do we deal with it? Gab Marcotti um, on the Gab and Jules podcast mentioned how maybe these social media companies should stop providing anonymity right? Um, for who you are, like that you can't just go and create an account that's like, you know, blue cheese 2004. And you're just going dropping stink bombs on everyone, just trolling people and saying horrible things because no one knows who you are. And so if you go and start saying, you know, do racially abusing people that essentially you're doxxed, I don't really know. I don't know the best way to go and attack this specific problem. Aside from, can we look at the holistic picture here? I know and agree that racist statements are really like bottom of the barrel. It's like the lowest hanging fruit of way to be cruel to someone. It's just gross. Any kind of tribalism like that is just dumb. It's it's unintellectual. It's stupid. And it's wrong, right? I mean, that's what I think personally. That's my value system. The, the problem is that I also think we have a bigger responsibility to the way we communicate about communicate about smaller things, things that are football players, you know, I mean, if I listen to the high performance podcast, and one thing that they mentioned was footballers are commonly looked at in English society as dumb, overpaid, you know, idiots that are just stars that shouldn't be, and that are undeserving of everything that they have, their wealth and their status. And that they're, you know, just thick and have no, no touch with society. They have no idea what's going on. Well, you know, listen to that podcast, you get great stories from, you know, regular footballers who are, who have great, great stories to tell about their own journeys. And you realize they're not dumb at all. I mean, these people aren't dumb. They have so much pressure, so many things they have to deal with. You know, so all that money may, may make you think, oh, well, that just means they can sort things out easier. But once you have all these millions, you got to figure out a way to spend them on security, how you make sure you manage your money, how you make sure you don't lose it all. All that is extra stress on top of having to play a game. And if you play a bad one, this is my problem. If you play a bad game, people will tear you to bits. If you're not playing well over the course of six weeks, you're going to have pundits, ex-players, all these people coming on questioning your motivation, your desire your loyalty to the club and your players, your desire to work for the manager. I mean, they will go into this. This is stuff where you're challenging someone's value system. 
Do you care about others? Are you selfish? Are you all about the money? We're very willing to go and say those things about a player after they're going through a struggle. People said this kind of stuff about Jesse Lingard. By the way, Jesse Lingard, congratulations, coming in, scoring two goals on his West Ham debut. And he even said, I haven't smiled like because of football in a long time, so this feels amazing. People were trashing him for like two years. No one knew he was going through a ton of personal stuff, right? So we're willing to go and trash this guy for his performances, for his lack of ability to get into the team, for the way he drops out of the England squad. We will destroy him over and over and over again. Long as you don't say anything anything about him being black, you're allowed to do that, apparently. Yeah, racist abuse would be way over the line, obviously. But I don't think you can go and question someone's value system and character without having spoken to them, without having found out what the real deal is, and just think that that's okay to say on the airwaves to print huge stories in the paper or on your website about this kind of thing. For people like us podcasting, do you know what you're talking about? If you're trashing a professional footballer and you're saying demeaning things about them, do you know what you're saying? Are you sure that you have the story straight? Or are you just talking about something you heard someone else say somewhere? And as long as you're not talking about the color of the skin, you're safe. No, sorry. We have a bigger responsibility in the way we use our words, people. We do. And that's why me on this podcast, I am not going and basically shitting all over everyone that I think didn't play well or whatever. I don't know. And the reality is that job is hard. Yes, they get paid well for it. Yes, it's a privilege to do. But it's hard. So respect that. Leave people alone. Just enjoy the beautiful side of the game. That's why Campfire Football was created in the first place. I wanted to lend a voice that's more positive and more fun where we talk about the sport and how it connects to us in society. But can we use that to maybe make things better? I think so. So, thanks so much. This has been episode 29. I am really, really, really proud to have been able to come back. It's weird when you take a hit for two weeks, you get yourself into a rhythm, you know, an episode a day for a month. You know, it reshaped the way I lived my daily life to start this podcast and gave me so much purpose and creative drive. And then to have it sort of ripped away from me for two weeks was a really strange thing. And um, on a personal level, I am just happy to be back because I'm starting to build a little community with a lot of you listeners and a lot of you people on Instagram and different people I talk to. And it's really fun. It's really a great time. I'm hoping that we can keep building this community because campfires relit gather around y'all this is going to be a great 2021 thanks so much for stopping by everybody this is campfire football have a great day